afternoon and welcome to SJ at Noon, part of Hockey Day in Saskatchewan. A little bit abbreviated on Tuesday, but live from the Radville Rec Center. A week of festivities taking place here for, as we mentioned, Hockey Day in Saskatchewan. Roy McGoran, along with the news, it's not a neck warmer, it's just his beard. Not sure if you can see the breath. It is cold in the arena, but it's going to heat up across the week, culminating on the 16th with an SJHL game live right here behind us. Weyburn Red Wings, Notre Dame Hounds, Hockey Day in Saskatchewan. Always a great time. Nugsy, just key it up. What else is going on? Yeah, it's going to be a whole week of games. There's also going to be some AAA U18 games that day as well on the Saturday. But throughout the week, there's going to be some great action. Live on Live Barn, obviously our good buddy and, and boss here, Tanner, is uh, involved with that. And uh, some Junior B also. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun around here. And I've been involved with a bunch of neutral site games over the years, especially as part of the Notre Dame Hounds organization, and it's always a blast. Right? That's right into my next question, because, yeah. I mean, you look back here, this is a as barn as you get it, yeah. but it brings out just, you know, grassroots, mm -hmm. uh, local hockey from where you grew up playing in, and to have an SJHL game back in here, I'm mm -hmm. sure the players and, uh, you know, broadcasters and the fans are just going to be treated to a great game. Well, you know what it is, Rory? It's a playoff game in a in a, yeah. in a bottle, really. So you bring it in here, and the people here are going nuts. The play kids are excited they're making artwork they're making billboards bristol boards whatever it's just a great time every time it's been a blast so i expect the same to be in this drink here so if you can't get down to radville uh, festivities taking place starting today all the way until the 16th and if that's the day you choose of course you'll be treated to uh, three hockey games throughout the day finishing up with the Notre Dame hounds and the weyburn red wings sjhl action here at the radville rec center we've had sjhl action it's the first sj at noon of 2022 happy new year to everyone who are just tuning in and uh obviously a few games got postponed, so we wish health to cross the league. I think the league's doing a great job in making sure that we can continue and when there are a little bit of altercations, you know, we do the right thing. We postpone. We step aside for five days, and uh, and then once everyone's back to a clean bill of health, we get back to the ice. But the teams that were on the ice and the one I want to start with, how about the Melville Billionaires, yeah. baby? Three yeah. wins over the week. In, uh, and they played four games in six days, picked up three wins, two against the best team in the league in the Humboldt Broncos. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk to Mike Rooney, or I'll talk to Mike Rooney a little bit later in the show, Rory, and I'm very interested to ask, you know, was there a flick, that, a switch that was flicked or whatnot because they've won six of eight. They do it in their way. They uh, beat Humboldt twice, as you mentioned. They beat Kindersley. They had a tight, tight one against Battlefords in which they had a bit of a slow start in that one. But, you know, Rory, you saw them actually yeah. a couple nights ago they just kind of gum up the middle of the ice. What were your What were your impressions on the way that they're playing? Yeah, of course, we were doing your Sask Lotteries recap, yeah. and we got hockey back, new year, but the same goal for all these teams. Actually, just yesterday that the Melville Millionaires were in the Elgar Peterson Arena in Humboldt, and back on Tuesday was the first game. Same outcome both times, 5-3 for the Melville Millionaires. They are as opportunistic a team as they get. They jump on mistakes as good as anyone in the league, and I just love the response we said this when we called the sjhl game of the month in melfort right after they traded away a bunch of their veterans well what, what's it going to do it's going to open up opportunities for younger players charles thomas la rochelle uh nicholas samson who is 10 points in four games yeah. noah wills and they've got up and they've answered it this is a team that started off i think like one in seven mm -hmm. and now they're back in the playoff spot with a win over the broncos leapfrog the larange ice Wolves. of course a couple games in hand for larange but 
and they leapfrog Notre Dame as well. Notre Dame has a bunch mm -hmm. of games in hand, mm -hmm. but Melville goes from ninth into seventh after winning three games in six days. Yeah, they, they punish you. They play good, solid defensive hockey. You know, they're kind of a coach's dream. They're bought into what Mike Rooney wants to do. They play low to high. They play physical. They punish you in front of the net. They're just getting it done the old school way. Nobody on that team has an ego right now. They don't care who's scoring, who's getting the points. They're just playing as a unit, and you love to see it. Absolutely. And one thing that stood out in the game against the Humboldt Broncos both times is that decor yep. are mean. Yep. They make you pay in front of the net, and they don't retaliate after everything's done. They're the least penalized team in the league. They yeah. average 10 penalty minutes a game, and that's including, like, misconducts, fights, minors, whatever you want to do. It, it, they average 10 a game. Yeah. So it's extremely low when you look at the top of the league is about 30 a game, the Humboldt Broncos. The Melvin Millionaires only have about 450 pims throughout the season, but they play mean in front of their net. They box you out. If you're getting in front of the paint in front of Jared Thompson or Alexis Giroux, you're going to take a beating, and then afterwards, they don't do anything stupid. They're, they, mm -hmm. they make their heads, cooler heads prevail, and... Uh, I think you're starting to see what these young players are going to be doing for Melville now for this season if they make the playoffs and then moving forward for years to come. Yeah, and the last point that I'll make about Melville before we move on is the beginning of the year, the, the thing that Mike Rooney was searching, searching, searching for was what who's going to be in net, who's going to be in net. And uh, Jared Thompson, Alexis Drew have been the answer. And, you know, you know as well as I, Rory, that if a team – has a goalie that they believe in behind them. They play another three, four inches taller than if they don't. So, you know, that that's sort of the biggest thing for me and Melville. I think Melville's got two of them. You look yep. across the league, there's a few teams that do have a nice, solid one-two punch. But yep. then you have the others. Uh, you know, the Broncos are one where they really rely on race Ramsey. You have the Flint Flon Bombers where Cal Shell's the man. Yep. But in Melville, I think... Jared Thompson, Alexis Giroux, you could flip-flop in either game, and the team knows that both goaltenders are right there capable 1A, 1B. Yeah, and just especially especially lately. But, you know, the thing is, again, when, when, you, when you trust the guy behind you, the whole team forwards the feel better, play better, play the way that they, they need to, and trust the process. If you don't have that goalie, that's where it starts. And the Melville Millionaires played four games in six days, defeat the Broncos on Tuesday, then went three games in three days, defeated the, oh, pardon me, lost to the Battleford's North Stars only by one goal, very mm -hmm. close game, and then defeated Kindersley and defeated Humboldt mm -hmm. to pick up, what would that be, six out of a possible eight points six in a six-day? Six, six wins out of eight games, yeah. Well, six points out of eight. Three. Right, right, right. <laughs> Math is not my strong suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neither are Tukes, apparently, too. <laughs> what about the humble Broncos, though, on the flip side? Does, is it a cause for concern, mm -hmm. or is it more just try to get the feet back under you after the holiday break? Yeah, you suffered two losses against the Melville Millionaires. It was sandwiched with mm -hmm. a victory 6-2 over the Battleford's North Stars, but it's still a team that mm -hmm. many consider among the top two in the SJHL. I think maybe you can just make a couple adjustments and then move forward, throw these ones in the garbage. Yeah, I think, I think two quick quick things about that one is i mean uh, alex morozov has been there for a bit but not you know not too long you bring in jersey orchard from Merritt. you have the transition of kurt Taniff being gone sure, yeah, to Merritt in the bchl so there's a little bit of transition uh in in humboldt and you know uh you know as good as connor mcgrath and matt perkins have been all year long they're young so you expect you know a little dip once in a blue moon inconsistency with young players too so there's a little bit of transition but really i think Scott Barney, if he's sitting in his coach's office, he's probably like, you know, obviously he doesn't want to lose any games. Nobody does. But, you know, he's probably thinking, you know what, we're going to – it's good to face a little bit of adversity once in a while. You need it. And uh, this humble team, you know, a little bit of – a few losses, and uh, we'll see what they do uh, tomorrow, I guess tonight, against the Notre Dame Hounds. 
But uh, just generally speaking, I think uh, Barney's not too upset about it. Yeah, and if Scott Barney's sitting in the office, I can tell you two things. He's warmer than we are right now, <laughs> and, uh, and and he's not done working for sure because just yeah. yesterday, right. uh, two more additions to the Humboldt Broncos. Jared Kaplowitz, a defenseman mm-hmm. uh, from Georgia, but playing for Springfield in the NAL in the North mm-hmm. American Hockey League. So another D-man coming in. Of course, they, uh, they have seven right now, so it's a little bit of an insurance. He might slot in and... Uh, you know, with a rotational, with an Owen Evers, a Quinn Miles, but you know when the playoffs come, you're going to need more D-men, and a big one with James Form, yeah. a former Humboldt Broncos draft pick back in 2017, played one game for the Broncos a couple of years ago, but then went to the WHL, Winnipeg Ice, was recently traded to Spokane, and that's a nice addition for the Humboldt Broncos, bringing James Form in, and we'll see what he can do down the stretch. Yeah, and uh, the little brother of uh, Noah Form, yes. the former Battleford's North Stars, great defenseman, as well, so yeah, obviously Humboldt's going to keep add. You know they got their eyes, I'm sure, on uh, on making a good run with the Centennial Cup in Saskatchewan this year. So, you know, kudos to Barney to keep finding pieces. This is your Sask Lottery's weekend recap as we're back with SJ at noon here in 2022. We'll be joined by Mike Rooney coming up later with your Capital Auto Coaches Talk. And then, of course, we'll dive into the trade deadline, have your players of the week, a little buy it or sell it, all happening live here from Hockey Day in Saskatchewan in Radville. Notre Dame hounds a couple games as well this week. Mm-hmm. Same with the Weyburn Red Wings. Same score, different yeah. different team won. 6-2 for the hounds on uh, Friday, I believe it was, or Saturday. And then 6-2 for the Weyburn Red Wings on Sunday. Yeah, it's, you know what, the three games so far far in 2022 for the Notre Dame Hounds have been very similar in that the Hounds have had lots and lots of great A scoring chances in Kindersley on the 6th. Matt Pazenti really stood on his head yesterday or two days ago. Boston Gelowitz really mm. stood on his head for Weyburn. So y- yeah, the, the Hounds know they didn't play w- well in, uh, in Wilcox on Sunday night, but they had 40 shots. They had 40 shots, 40 shots, all three games, plenty of great A scoring chances. A bounce one way or the other, the Hounds could have you know, won three in a row. Certainly, they're going to be looking and try to find a way to, to you know, turn that th- those bounces the other way, and you do that with hard work and just you keep uh, going through it. But, you know, it, it's a situation where there's a young Notre Dame team. They're going to have to learn that lesson of consistency, and uh, unfortunately, that's a hard thing to do to beat a team two days in a row, uh, you know, when they play the same team. What do you think of the Weyburn Red Wings? Because yeah. when we talk about the trade deadline, we're going to bring up the question, did the Weyburn Red Wings win the trade deadline? They were by far the most active yeah. team, but it wasn't a victory in terms of, you know, bringing in some higher guns for a push. It was, hey, we know that, you know, we haven't been performing up to our fans and ourselves expectations the past couple of years. And we can't go ticky tacky with a rebuild. Yeah. We need to go full blown rebuild. And they did that. They got a stockpile yeah. of picks and players. So, I mean, if you think they do win, we'll bring that up a little bit later in the mm-hmm. show. But what did you see from some of the new players on Weyburn oh. as you saw them this weekend twice? You know, I really like a few of them, to be honest. Biquan Tallman out of the Wayway Seacapa Wolverines, I thought he was fantastic. He can really fly. I think one of the things that the Weyburn Red Wings have struggled the last couple of years is foot speed and Tallman can fly. And then the other guy that really stood out to me, Blake Norris, out of Steinbeck, whom they dealt the uh, – they got back in the Braden-Bernie trade. He's obviously such a fixture in Weyburn for yeah. years, uh, Braden-Bernie. But they got uh, Blake Norris and Ethan Clements from Steinbeck. And, uh, boy, that, that Norris defenseman out of Minnesota, he can play. He can fly too. So I really that was the thing. They were looking for youth, but they are also looking for young guys that can skate. And a lot of those Weyburn guys could skate. And they took advantage of b- some very, very bad Notre Dame mistakes uh, on Sunday. Here in Radville at the rec center for Hockey Day in Saskatchewan, January 9th to the 16th, we mentioned Weyburn Red Wings and Notre Dame Hounds right back in action yep. uh, next weekend coming up, or this weekend, pardon me, coming up 
right behind us on this ice surface. It's going to be a great time. With all the postponements happening across this weekend, we're going to have a little bit of a shorter Sask Lotteries weekend recap. But one more team is the Battle for its North Stars that did chip in two games, defeated Melville, who were right in it again, uh, just before losing to the humble Broncos as well. And it's the fifth straight game that the Broncos beat the Battle for its North Stars. But you were talking off air that the top five in the SJHL is kind of in cement already. So mm-hmm. I don't know if there's really any need to panic. It's one of the best teams in the SJHL, except when you have two teams, there's sometimes they don't match up well against each other. I think that's just the case with Humboldt and Battleford. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely something to that. I think, you know, first of all, Braden Klamosko and Gary Childehose, those guys could could coach a turkey to play hockey. <laughs> those guys are fantastic coaches. I think they've done a tremendous job with this Battle for the North Stars team and gotten a lot out of them. Obviously, the Steve Kesslerings and the Jake Southgates and the Dylan Eastells of the world are very good players. They've gotten a lot out of that roster as well. So I think to by, by point in saying all that is I believe that the Battle for the North Stars are built for next year, mm-hmm. even more than this year. And as good as they've been, I think they've played even better than, than maybe that their overall roster could maybe say. And again, Players, Childerhose and Klamasco and Michael Harash, of course, in net have definitely uh, really earned or deserve deserve where they are. Um, but I think they're built for next year. That being said, obviously, a lot of people have had a hard time with Humboldt this year, especially at the EPA. Except for the Melville Millionaires, apparently yeah. 2-0 against the <laughs> league's best team. Well, and they did it both this yeah. past week. It's your Sask Lottery's weekend recap. We'll bring Mike Rooney, the head coach of the Melville Millionaires, who have been on an absolute tear and are back in the playoffs after this on SJ at Noon. Welcome back to SG at Noon. I'm Jamie Nugabauer, and now joined by the head coach and general manager of the Melville Millionaires, Mike Rooney. Mike, uh, thanks for doing this. How you doing? <laughs> doing all right. Uh, a little bit warmer than you are right now. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's cold, but uh, nothing nothing better than the, the chill of a rink. Uh, am I right? Nothing like a small town rink, eh? Uh, no doubt. Really familiar with that rink down at Radville. A lot of good people, good little hockey town. It's about 30 miles south of, of my home at Yellowgrass. And uh, yeah, spent a lot of time there. Did a lot of sessions, skill sessions, skating sessions. And hey, I might add, just because of the rivalry thing, I, my daughter's Bantam uh, uh, team out of Milestone. I uh, think, uh, yeah, they, they won their last game there a number of years ago. So I'm a victory a victor out of Radville in my last game. So that's not too many people can say that. It's a tough little rink to play in. Yeah, very cool. And obviously there's going to be all sorts of games here, including an SJ game between Notre Dame and Weyburn later. But we're not here to talk about Notre Dame and Weyburn. We're here to talk about the Melville Millionaires winners of six of the last eight. And Mike, just a little preamble. Remember Rory and I called uh, a game on the game of the months. Uh, in November against Melfort and it almost feels like from an outsider's perspective there was something about that game that maybe flicked the switch for your team do you see it that way that there was sort of a a switch that was flicked or do you think it's been a gradual growth for your team to have it turned around like this you know what I think it's been gradual and I think you're probably right from the outsider eyes Um, it did look like a a big flick and all of a sudden something flicked and that aha moment um, but you know what, we, you know, it's, it's well spoke about, you know what, we had our COVID shut down early in the season and then there was a little bit of, a, uh, you know, kind of that social media thing and, you know, our team and myself were, you know, personally, we're, we're drugged through a lot of things that really weren't necessarily and, and were really, um, you know, really found uh, unaccounted for or, or, you know, unjust. But anyway, we moved on from that, but we had a really tough October emotionally, 
uh, our time and what we went through with our 10 day shutdown and, and some different things that we had to deal with. So we, you know what, we knew we had a young team, we were going to have a young team and, and, but we had some target dates. It's not like we, we don't just all of a sudden switch gears and, and go from one thing to the next. We knew, you know, if you look at historics and you, you look at data that, you know what, you know, come that November one or October 31st timeframe, you, you got to be showing certain things. And you know what, even though our record was very poor, we found ourselves in the basement of the league. We, uh, we knew we were better, um, but then it was getting over the, the emotional part of it. And, you know, kids were getting frustrated, but um, November one seemed to be that date. Uh, you know, as, as we hit October 31st, uh, we played our final game against Esteban, I think the 30th or the most recent game. And, you know, we, we were having a real tough time with them. We, uh, most recent one, then we dropped 4-1 and you could see some signs. Uh, we, you know what, we started to adjust our roster, not that we were, we were looking to get younger and weaker and look at the future. We just wanted to get better. Um, and we talked a lot about our culture and establishing a culture and that's what we've been doing. So yeah, November one is kind of the date we look at, uh, October is a disaster. And since, uh, November one, we've been, uh, quite a, you know, a good handful of games above 500 and we're quite happy about that. Yeah, for sure. And you talk about those, uh, those traits. And one of the things that, again, from the outside looking in, it appears that, you know, you, you made a couple of moves. You mentioned to get younger. You send uh, Nick Porterfield, a big part of the Nova organization for a long time, and Jackson Bohan, uh, you know, away in trades. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like when you have uh, a team where the younger guys all of a sudden take leadership roles are a little bit more free to express themselves, play their game. Uh, do you feel like that's the sense with, you know, guys like Nick, uh, Noah Wills and uh, Nicolas Samson and uh, Tiberge and La Rochelle, the list kind of goes on that they're kind of more able, more able to express themselves with a little bit of a younger locker room. Well, yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, and that's a good way to put it, to, to express themselves and, and be their own person in the room and, and it's not like anybody, you know what, I, you know, I'll speak highly, you know, Nick Porterfield and Jackson Bohan and, and Zach McIntyre, you know what, the thing of it is when you get to those junctures, you, you know what, they're looking for some different things. Uh, we're looking for some different things. And, um, and it's kind of like a relationship. Um, sometimes, you know what, you're not just going to match up and, you know, I, I have nothing but, you know, respect for each, each of those individuals and, it was a tough week. Um, some of the guys here, uh, you know, were good personal friends, um, you know, with those guys. And, you know, what, Jake Back being one that's, you know, was really good friends with both of them and, and Jonathan Cron as well. And, um, but, you know what, it, it is hockey and it's not like we want to be cold and ruthless about it. We want to put them in places that they could be at. So, so yeah, it, it give our young guys that chance. It was, you know what, it was, it was coming a little bit. We were monitoring things and making sure our guys were ready and ready to step up because once, once that door is open, uh, there's a whole wave of heat coming at them and, and they have to be ready for it. And, uh, you know, they, it took a little time to get there and, uh, we're, we're there, but now it's just maintaining it and there'll be some tough days ahead, no doubt, but, we're, uh, we're happy with, you know, the blossoming of, of our leadership and our young guys and continuing to develop that culture. 
like you talk about that leadership and you talk about you know, the two 20 year olds that are still there, Jonathan Cron and Jake Speck and coaches always talk about, you know, it's not just about having 20 year olds, it's about having the right 20 year olds. And from all accounts, uh, those two guys seem like they, they fit perfectly great, great leaders. Uh, just talk about the credit that uh, Jonathan Cron and Jake Speck uh, deserve uh, as part of the leadership team in this uh, Melville club so far this year. You know what? So huge. You know what? And, and you know, anybody that knows, uh, you know, Jake or Jonathan, they, they know they're not loud, loud voices. Um, they just, they lead by doing. And, and I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for them. Um, we, with both of them uh, coming in here, you know, you know, in May of my first year, uh, I can't remember the year of it. Was it 2020? Getting lost in COVID. But when yeah. it came in, um, you know, we had what 18 or 19 guys returning, and and they they were part of it, and they're the only two pieces left of that. And it wasn't by design where we're looking to blow anything out. We 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 kept guys through COVID, uh, the COVID year last year, and and then we worked our way through it. But we had to build those relationships. Um, you know what? And they're both tremendous people, and our program is going to be built around good, strong people. And you know what? If you want to mark Messier, stand up in front of the room and say to the papers that guaranteed win night leader, that's not them. But they, they, um, you know, they're just so such good people. I trust them very, very much. And you know, Jonathan, um, you know what? He he provides a lot of different parts to our game, and and, and Jake is so symbolic about what it takes to to really come through. He he had to, even though he's 19, he had to build trust. You know you know, into the coaches and, and we had the likewise. And when we, he was one guy that maybe took a little bump last year when we, we, uh, you know, we had some Western league guys come in. So he got bumped down the lineup, but it didn't discourage him. And, and, you know, what we kept communicating with them and, and um, you know what, last week, obviously we're at the trade deadline uh, here today. And last week we met with them both and, and um, you know what, we had no intentions of making any moves uh, with those guys so if anybody wants to still call please stop calling you're wasting your time <laughs> uh, uh, you know what they were they were locked in now if they would have said hey we we don't believe in the direction that this is going we would have went that way but we want to be loyal to our to our guys and and we'll do anything we can for them moving forward here yeah very cool i do remember again that game against melford a lot of the pre-game interviews and whatnot uh, a lot of the younger players were like we're gonna have be good for for SPAC and for Cron, and so that kind of echoes uh, what you're saying. Uh, just two more questions quickly for you, if you don't mind. Uh, Mike, I love when coaches give really young players and young players opportunities, and obviously you've given Noah Wills a lot of opportunity, ice time, leadership, power play, etc. Just talk about how good that young man is and how good he can be. Yeah, you know what? He's he's scratching the surface. Um, you know what? He he's a second year guy, so to speak, but he only had five games in, you know, from last year, and like everybody else. And you know what? Uh, he's getting stronger. Um, you know what? Physically, his maturity, you know, is, is probably a little bit below the curve, and and that's not a knock. That's a, more of a compliment because once he gets to that point, um, you know what? He's uh, it's going to, you know, blossom for him. And, 
you know what, even yesterday as we were playing three and three, you know, I think it wore a little bit on him. Um, he probably doesn't want me to say that, but but um, I think it wore on a lot of our guys. But I tell you what, Noah Wills, is, he, he's a competitor. He, You know what, he, he, a smart kid, he, he just about, you know, nailed his SAT with, you know, it was a plus 1500 SAT score. And, you know what, tremendous kid, tremendous individual. And, you know, high high respect for him, and you know what the the real cool part about it is is we have a lot of a lot of guys just like that, and uh, you know it, and I don't want to say it's any mastery of our plan, but it is part of the identity that we want to have when we look through our criteria of players and people. Yeah, I definitely have heard a lot about the academic prowess of Noah and Zach Kane and a couple guys in your program. Very impressive. Last question for you, Mike. I want to stir the pot just a tiny bit, if that's okay. But uh, two wins over the Humboldt Broncos, sure. the number one team in the SJHL the last week or so. How good did it feel? How validating did it, did it, would it feel to you and to that whole Melville organization to come up with wins against? And everybody knows how good the Humboldt Broncos are. Well, you know what? It's one week out of a season. So, you know, it's a little snapshot of where we're at. Um, you know, as far as stirring the pot a little bit, I think we've probably done that enough over the last week ourselves. So, um, I don't think you do anything different there or add anything to it. So, they got a good team, good organization. Um, you know, it, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. We, you know what? It, it's a fine line. We, we, we're, we're coming back on a week or even you look at the weekend, you know what, we're two and one and we could have been three and oh, or you know what, we could have been oh and three. Um, in some ways, the Kindersley game, even though we, we really dominated the second period, I think it was 26, four shots on goal um, in Kindersley. Um, in some ways, that game was every bit as tough as, as the Humboldt game. And that's, that's the competitive nature of the league. And, and that's a big thing we've been trying to talk to our guys about. Um, we don't, are we, are we happy and we're taking a day off? We, we, we beat Humboldt, but we by no means do we think we're, you know, high in the mountain. We're just a team trying to scratch and claw, build an identity. And, and we just want to have the longevity within our, within our organization where we can be continuously this good each week, weekend, week out, year in, year out. And that takes a lot of work to maintain that. For sure. Well, anyways, very impressive uh, turnaround. And again, kudos to everybody in that Melville locker room. Mike Rooney, thank you so much for joining us here on SJ at noon. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Stay warm. We'll be right back with more right after this. Welcome back to SJ at noon. Rory McGorn, the Nugs with you. Big thanks to head coach of the Melville Millionaires, Mike Rooney, for joining us on your Capital Auto Coaches Talk. And it's now time for everyone's favorite segment, Buy It or Sell It. Nugsy, who I just actually learned doesn't own a pair of long underwear. I didn't buy it or sell that. Kind of hard to believe. It's cold outside. I'm Nugsy. from the greater Toronto area. <laughs> You've been here for like four years. <laughs> I, just, I just learned about a, uh, uh, what's it called, a battery blanket. Two days ago. I don't know what that is. Okay, well, there you go. I, I feel better about myself. I, I'm in the dark about a battery point. And he's a player <laughs> kid right here. There you go. Buy it or sell it. Moving on with the Wayburn Red Wings. Did they win the trade deadline? Buy it or sell it, Newsy. Well, they made a lot of moves. Bo Larson to Verdon. Troy Hamilton and Nick Dobson to Winkler. 
uh, Braden Bernie to Steinbeck, Nick Sombrowski to Notre Dame, Drew Kuzma to Flynn Flon. This goes on. Uh, I think they did a good job, but I think it's too early to say that they won the trade deadline. So I'm going to sell it, Rory. You're selling it. Because I think like we'll only know in a year or two, maybe, whether all these moves and picks that uh, Cody Mapes has acquired have paid off. I do think Cody Mapes did a good job, and I genuinely, genuinely hope that the board and Weyburn give him the opportunity to really see this project through. Yeah, I'm going to buy it because, uh, and I mentioned it briefly in the first segment in your SAS Lottery's recap. We know the Weyburn Red Wings have not lived up to par over the mm -hmm. past three seasons. Mm -hmm. And you can't have a rebuild where you do it, um, you know, for lack of a better word, half-ass, right? Yeah. And, and they didn't. They traded away almost all of their veterans and got back a litany of picks and players. So we don't know what it's going to be, but I just think the, um, you know, cojones that it took to do that from Cody Mapes and, and just really sell it like, hey, we have not been where we should be and we're going to rebuild starting right now and hopefully in a couple of years uh, we will be where we want to be which is at near the top of the league time mm -hmm. will tell like you mentioned you're selling it because it's too early to tell but i think that what it took to do that is enough to earn them the win you can throw in melford there but a lot of their trades were before so is that a trade deadline mm -hmm. winner they did their job bringing in of course nolan dole mark snar a couple other players as well flint flon bombers got more physical size with drew kuzma the broncos brought in jersey orchard uh nordame hounds nick sombrowski so a lot of trades around the league but i just think no wayburn went all in for it and i love it so i think i'm gonna buy it i think they did win yeah i mean again good, good point about by you about uh, you know what winning for what i mean i yeah. think I, I would say if the all the whole year the team that has done the best job making trades we're talking about the deadline so i get it i know yeah, i'm changing yeah. the rules a little bit sure but but the team that has done what their purpose is and it's really paying off already is the melford mustangs Nolan Dole is a premium scorer in this league. Mark Snar adds a lot of depth to that blue line. They just brought in uh, Cameron Emmy from Bonneville. Uh, they have brought in another forward from the BCHL as well at the trade deadline. And if there's a guy in this league that loves to make a trade and it so often pays off, it's Trevor Blevins and Melford. He did a lot of it. Ab absolutely. So, I mean, so, if, if, so I'm picking Trevor Blevins and Melford. You're going back about a month. The, the you know what team bolstered itself it's a crazy world prior right? to the <laughs> the trade the roster freeze yeah. the Melford might be ahead yeah because they had more of the splashy impacts yeah. right with the Wayburn Red Wings they didn't get any higher guns for a push right? right they just completely shook up their team and now we're gonna see what these youngsters Ty Mason and all the ones you mentioned that you saw this weekend against the Notre Dame Hounds see what they can do well, it works for the Melville Millionaires they're back yeah. in the playoffs well so Cody Mapes did what he needed to do and did it well. You make trades, you play hockey to win and try to win championships. Yeah. And Trevor Blevins is did what he did to try to win a championship. He is winning the trade deadline because he is winning with the trades that he's made. Cody Mapes has yet to do that, and the Wayne Red Wings have yet to do that. Will they do that? It's very possible. I can't say that they won yet. What's one of you, do you have a trade that kind of stands out to you as one of your favorites as we take a little pause on buy or sell it and focus more on the trade sequence that happened, uh, mm -hmm. you know, over the past week? For me, it's the Nippon Hawks and LaRange Icewolves selling McKellen Couture to LaRange in exchange for 2004 D-man Trey Fouquet. Mm -hmm. I think this is the perfect trade for both teams. Mm -hmm. You get a leader in McKellen Couture who can help a little bit, maybe the younger players in LaRange. It's an uh, upgrade on their decor. They're still fighting for a playoff spot. And then on the other side, Tad Cozen, the interim head coach for Nippon, gets a future stud on the back end with Trey Fouquet. I think it works for both sides, and I love the trade. Yeah, it's fantastic. For me, I'm going to go back to to Weyburn 
first of all, Braden Bernie, again, mentioned it earlier, such a fixture in the Waverly community. Absolutely. His dad, such a fixture in the radio community and all across the prairies, uh, Cam. But uh, trading him to getting him an opportunity to win in a place like Steinbeck, which you know better as a Manitoba sure. guy, what that community is They're like, fantastic. Every year, and Blake like. Norris is basically Weyburn's best defenseman, one of their best defensemen already. Ethan Clements is their first line center already. So there you go. A again, I think I like a lot of the moves that uh, have been made by Weyburn. A lot of these very young players brought in, uh, but those are those are those are two. And the one that I'll say as well uh, for Notre Dame, you talk about Nick Zembrowski yeah, coming that's in. That's what I wanted to go uh, to next. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you say obviously three picks. Is that a lot for Nick Zembrowski? Well I think Nick Zembrowski adds a lot on the ice. Guy that can skate with Kevin Anderson works really well right there. They've already made a lot of magic together alongside Connor Nolan as well. But sometimes you you pay what you need to for a person and a type of player that, that really, really fit you. And I think Nick Sombrowski really fits the Notre Dame Hounds, that big ice surface, and again, a guy that can skate with Kevin Anderson. So I know those are the two, the, the Bernie to Steinbeck and Sombrowski to Notre Dame. Uh, when we you know, focus a little bit on Notre Dame, it was a steep asking price. Mm -hmm. I, a first, a third, and a fifth was the – was the, And a fourth. A first, yeah. a third, and a fourth. But, I mean, Weyburn's going to get a really good pick. Uh, in the first, it's probably going to be, you know, top five if Notre Dame sweeps in the playoffs, seven, eight, nine in that spot, right? So it's going to be a high pick. And then you round it out with a third and a fourth round pick, which, you know, you can maybe target a fringe player that goes fifth round in the dub, maybe doesn't make it. Now he's an impact yeah. player on your lineup, right? Uh, I think it was a high price for Nick Sombrowski. I get what you're saying with the Notre Dame Hounds, how they wanted to get a player on the ice, but also off the ice because the Hounds are still a very young team and Sombrowski's a great character player mm -hmm. that's going to help not just put goals in the net, but help build that culture a little bit more moving forward. Uh, is, is it interesting what the Notre Dame Hounds are doing? I know that maybe they didn't technically trade for Jake Sacratini or Nolan Coventry, but it's a team that, again, when Austin Elliott's on his game, he's one of the best goaltenders in the league. Notre Dame Hounds are young, but they bring in three players, yeah. and they're all 20-year-olds. So, you know, it's it, are they maybe looking for a little bit of a run here? Yeah, I, I think they're trying to put certain guys in uh, the best possible position to succeed. For the Notre Dame Hounds, and I'll call a spade a spade. Obviously, I work for them. I'm, I I'm inside there. Notre Dame Hounds are all about getting guys commitments, getting guys moved on. Obviously, we want Notre Dame wants to win. Everybody wants to win every game that they play in. Notre Dame is about getting commitments. So, you know, you bring in a guy like Nolan Coventry, and, you know, that helps, you know, I don't know, Oliver Band and John O'Hoynes and these types of guys to see what a 20-year-old with that urgency, with that preparation, that professionalism looks like and it helps them get committed. You know, I'm sure the Hounds will work and bring some guys in on the blue line. Maybe that helps a guy like Jared Sitch, who's still looking for his commitment in 03 birth year. Sam Kroon, 02 birth year. And, you know, so you go down the list. You know, I think it, their moves to put these guys, the Hounds in as good a position as possible, certainly to, you know, try to make sure they get into the playoffs, because I don't think that's 100% a given. We'll talk about the playoff picture in a second. But uh, I think these guys add... Uh, even more in the locker room than off, and I think that was worthwhile. And, you know, Coventry and Sacratini and Sobrowski together, you can say for the three picks, because there wasn't a ton going back the other way for those sure, three guys. Sure. So, uh, you know, in the end, it, it's more character, and they're only, they're only three guys. Like, it's not like Brett blew up the roster either. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's good moves for good people. 
And uh, you talked about commitments. The whole yeah. league, of course, you know, that little younger movement, you're going to see an uptick in the next couple yeah. of years with commitments. Uh, congratulations to Cal Shell, right. your Direct West uh, newest commitment going to Oswego State. So NCAA Division Three, Cal Shell, great goaltender for the Flint yeah. Flon Bombers. And he just announced that yesterday. So congratulations to him. Yeah, also great. Great for Cal. I also should mention, we'll swing back just for a quick second, sure. Jake Sacratini committed to uh, AIC, NCAA Division mm. One as well. Uh, his dad, Vezio, uh, played in the 1994 Olympics for uh, for Italy oh. in the Lillehammer games there. And he talks about uh, hanging out with the Jamaican bobsled team and everything. That's uh, awesome. does, does his dad. Yeah, so uh, Jake, uh, obviously a great character to come into the room too. So, But great for Cal, obviously a great young man out of uh, southern Ontario. Uh, I know some of the his coaches from back in the day. Great young man. Obviously he's been fantastic for Flynn Flon this year. And, and uh, those State University of New York uh, D3 schools are some of the best hockey schools in D3 so Oswego is a great spot. Absolutely. Cal Shell going there is your direct west commitment. Jake, yeah. Jake Sacratini yeah. part of me of the Notre Dame Hounds another one. Let's move on now uh, out of the trade deadline of course as every team did yeah. yesterday roster freeze now intact and one of the hottest teams out coming out of 2021 and now into 2022 yeah. is the Melford Mustangs. There's no debating that. Yeah. They're absolutely on fire Buy it or sell it that they're going to surpass either one of the Humboldt Broncos or the Estevan Bruins and go into the top two in the league by the end of the season. I'm buying it because, uh, as I've said many times already on this show, not this specific episode, but on the show over the year, is that there's no better team over the last number of years in the second half than the Melford Mustangs. It's Trevor yep, Blevins, they add players very, very well, very astutely. They buy into Trevor Blevins' system when the hockey gets tighter, tougher to score. The Melford Mustangs are always as tough as anybody to score. They've won nine in a row. Obviously, Humboldt and Estevan have a ton of talent, but now do the Melford Mustangs have a player players for Ben Tkachuk and company to play with, and they already have the grit, the tenacity, the character to win when the games get tougher and tighter. I think they're going to go up there probably, uh, you know, don't shoot me anybody, but I think they're going to pass the Estevan Bruins. And, and, I, and I think not only the players they brought in, but the players they've always had yep. are playing at another level. You look at Alex Moore, Hayden Tuba, or Marco Lopez. Like Lopez they has have, been amazing. They have jumped up to another level. Yeah. Which, I mean, you can bring in all the higher guns you want, but if you get those and your players that you've always had starting to really now play in a top two position, yeah, I, d I don't see it impossible. I think I'm still going to sell it. I think the Estevan Bruins and the Humboldt Broncos are, are, are just too good to overtake mm -hmm. throughout the final 20 games. It's going to be really close, mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to get a little bit of a taste of it coming this weekend when Humboldt Broncos play the Melford Mustangs back-to-back -back on Friday, Saturday. So that's an eight-point swing if the Mustangs could take both games. Yeah, and, and the, biggest, the biggest question mark between those two, between Estevan and Melford, is Who's going to be healthier, Boston Belois for Estevan yeah. or Joel Favreau for Melfort? That's going to be the or biggest decider, too. And both, both backups have proven to be capable in Cam Herjlika. Uh, I, I hope I'm pronouncing yeah. that right, Herjlika, yeah. and, uh, and James Venn. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they're not, you, you know you have a second goaltender that can do some damage. Yeah, and hey, nobody wants to go into, you know, the Northern Lights Palace in the playoffs either. They're going to be tough. You know, it, it's it's right up in the air. Obviously, they're two great teams. Again, I'm still taking Melford. Okay, and the final one for us today of buy to sell it. We'll go on to the other end of it, which is a tight race yeah. for the final, what, we'll say three playoff spots, maybe two playoff spots, seven and eight. You got Notre Dame, LaRange, Melville, and Nipawin. 
Hindersley's right on the outskirts there. I think seven points out, you said, of a playoff spot. But the buy or sell question is the Melville Millionaires, who now leapfrog Notre Dame and LaRange into the seventh spot, will make the playoffs. <sighs> you know, the <laughs> way that... Deep breath uh, there. The way, uh, hey, sometimes <laughs> we need a deep breath. But the way that they're playing right now, Rory, and, and things can change week by week. And, uh, you know, talk to Mike Rooney, heard on the interview. He said right net right there that, you know, week to week basis, you know, they things can change super fast. But the way that they're playing right now, it's hard to say no. So I'm going to buy it yeah. because of the level of buy-in from my, the way that I see, the way that roster is constructed. They're scrappy. They're not going to be fun to play against. And if that Horizon Credit Union Center can get packed with some very passionate Melville fans because there are some plenty of people at Melville that care about that organization, it won't be an easy out. Let me tell no, you, well if, if Humboldt or Estevan or whoever has to go in and face Melville in the first round, the way they're playing right now, yeah. that'll be a hard series. Yeah, it'll be an absolutely hard series. I'm going to buy it as well. I think the Melville Millionaires, uh, I, I think they now have the team that is believing in himself when maybe before they didn't. Yeah. I love Nicholas Samson. I love Noah Wills. I think their defense, as we mentioned, they're mean, they're strong, they're physical. Giroux and Thompson can get it done in net as well. I think they do get into yeah. the playoffs, but... On the counterpoint, who gets out then? Because yeah. are you considering Yorkton safe right now? Like, I, I, I would. I'd say the top six are probably yeah. going to be in. we got the Broncos, Estevan, yeah. Melford, Battleford, Flintflon, and Yorkton, which leads two yeah. spots for Notre Dame, LaRange, uh, pardon me, Kindersley, Nipple. Melville, Nippowin. Yeah. We're, we're thinking Weyburn is now in that rebuild mold. Going to be tough to get back into the playoffs. But there's there's five teams there. If you include the Kindersley Clippers, who gets out? Who's out? Because you, you can pick two spots, and we've already said Melville's one of them. Mm. Man, I mean, I think obviously the pandemic situation will make a big, uh, a big impact uh, on this and who can stay healthy just otherwise, injury-wise. Boy, oh, boy. Yeah. The question of who's, who, who's out, you know what? Uh, again, Notre Dame has to play a lot better than they have been. As, as good as the first half of the year was for them, they have to play better if they're going to even make it to the playoffs. If if you were going to put a uh, shoot a, put a gun at me right now, <laughs> the way things are right now, figuratively we are right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to say that uh, Notre Dame will make it in. Melville and Notre Dame will be the last two, sort of based on talent, sure. the way the way that the guys that are in those rooms are. So that's what I'll say right now. I'm How going to, uh, well, I'm going to say that, I mean, Notre Dame already hates me, so <laughs> what's, what's one more, right? <laughs> there you go. Notre Dame is going to. Yeah, we do, right? Notre Dame is not going to be in the playoffs. I think LaRange, strictly based off one, one aspect, they have the best goaltender out of those five teams. Mm -hmm. They got Xavier Cannon, the fees in net. I think he's one of the best in the league, and that is the only thing I'm going off of. I love some of their pieces, of course. Holden Knights, yeah. uh, one of the most dynamic sort of all-around players with his physicality, his shot, his aggression, his offense, his defense. I think he's, he's got the complete package. But to me, I'm relying on goaltending, and I think Xavier Cannon can win them enough games to squeeze into that seventh or eighth spot. So sorry, Notre Dame, but it's LaRange and Melville for me. <laughs> there you go. Well, the, 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 again, Xavier Cannon, it's an element of health. Again, when he's in, he's the LaRange is a different team. Yeah. A guy That LaRange team always runs through a brick wall for Kevin Kaminsky. Yeah. So, again, I don't hate that pick. Obviously, a big fan of Kaminsky and the way that he coaches and the way that team plays. I just think that there's just too many weapons on that Notre Dame team. Now, the forward core is playing really, really well. Austin Elliott, when he's healthy and in net, he's a very, very good goal, elite goalie in this league. I think they're going to maybe add a D or two here in Notre Dame, so I think that just pushes them over the edge, but again, if it's right now, if we take a, f a flash point at this second, you're probably not wrong, but sure. I think 
projecting moving forward Notre Dame still more talented. Uh, so are we saying the mountain's going to be too tall to climb for the Nippon Hawks and Kindersley Clippers? I, I think so, yeah. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, Logan Linklater, of course, one of the uh, other yeah. ones getting traded from was Prince Albert to yeah. Regina. So if the he's, if he's now in the in the WHL with Regina, which we all expect him to be, uh, it's a mm -hmm. big loss for the Clippers. Yeah, and obviously Chase Freet Moore also sure. sticking yeah. in the yeah. in the Western Hockey League, I believe, with Tri City yeah. now. So uh, you know, losses for Kindersley again. The Pacenti's <laughs> done a great <laughs> job. Pacenti has though. been unbelievable. Yeah. He's got a 9.45 save yeah. percentage over the last three games. He's faced. You know, tons and tons of shots. Again, you can't can't count on anybody. It's the SJHL, right? I but, know you can't. Uh, but it, we it can speculate on who we think. We that's, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying I disagree <laughs> with you. That's all. But there you go. That was buy it or sell it. We'll take one more break. When we come back, we got players of the week. And we got your CAA road report coming up next. Right here, live from Hockey Day in Saskatchewan in Radville on SJ Noon. Welcome back to SJ at Noon. Rory McGore and the Nugs. One more segment here live from Radville at Hockey Day in Saskatchewan. Of course, all wrapping up on January 16th with the Notre Dame Hounds and the Weyburn Red Wings. We'll touch on that in your CAA Road Report. But first, it's your Players of the Week. And how about the Melville Millionaires? They cleaned up this week your SGEU MVP, Nicholas Samson, with 10 points yeah. in four games. Yeah, I could see it coming, that chemistry as well with Noah Wills. Boy, he's electric well Noah Wills is going to pick up as well your RBC forward of the week with seven points in those mm. four games Noah Wills forward of the week another Melville millionaire yeah a couple wins over the humble Broncos went over Kindersley too and they really shelled Kindersley the first two periods especially Noah Wills is really the straw that stirs the drink offensively for the Mills defenseman of the week is going to the battle for its North Stars and he's been on an absolute yeah. tear over the past 15 or so games I think he's climbed himself up into third or fourth in terms of defenseman scoring in the SJHL Tyne and Ewart five points in three games yeah and just keeps growing we talked about uh, talked to Braden Klamasco the head coach GM of the North Stars about you know how he wants to add and build on this decor but certainly Tyne and Ewart in the middle of it he's very two-way too very good in his own end and the North Stars defense are obviously young it, it's the one yeah. part of their lineup when you head into the playoffs that you know I wouldn't call it a weakness I think they're good players but it's not as strong as their forward group is yeah. but Tyne and Ewart's shown that he's he's going to be a, a special player yeah, no, there's definitely some pieces to deal with. Again, none of them are O1s uh, other than Riley Little, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have Ewart coming back. You have Jordan Grill, a local boy, coming back who's also a very good player. So there's lots of lots of things to like in Battlefords. The goalie of the week, back to the Melville Millionaires. No surprise there, Alexis Giroux. Yeah, three wins, a 247 goals against average. And a, a 9.20 save percentage, Rory. And again, you saw him more clo up close and personal yeah. in those games against Humboldt. But uh, yeah, he, you know, 1A, 1B for sure in Melville. Well, he beat the Broncos both games, outshot yeah. uh, by a wide margin both games yeah. as well. Giroux was an absolute wall back there. And then the Melville Millionaires played three games in three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, picked up two wins. And Alexis Giroux, again, in net for both. Yeah, he was in the net for, for three wins over the uh, the last week, all three wins, I guess. So, yeah. you know, kudos to him. And, again, it's a good problem for Mike Rooney to have to pick which goalie is going to get the start on a given night. And, uh, you know, Giroux is a very talented kid. That's your Sastel goalie of the week. And your final one is your Direct West rookie of the week. Well, keep it in the Millionaires organization. Why not? Charles Thomas La Rochelle, yeah. six points in four games. Yeah, another another good young player for the Melville Millionaires. And one thing that has started to come, you know, we, we when we called that game, a couple months ago, Rory, on the SJ game, Melfort and Melville, like, you know, it's Spack and Samson and Wills over and over again, or whatever, Wills and Cron over and over again, but it 
now they have got depth. These guys have really stepped up, stepped forward, really shown their ability. And, uh, you know, La Rochelle's another one. So you got Nicholas Samson, MVP, Noah Wills, the forward, and La Rochelle is the rookie. That is the top line yeah. of the Melville Millionaires all getting <laughs> recognition. Their goaltender, Alexis Giroux, and then the defenseman, Mayfair Diagnostics, is uh, Tynan Ewart of the Battleford North Stars. We always say it off-air, and I think I maybe brought it up earlier in the season, that the teams and the players need to – give us something to talk about on the show. So, you know, you get fans chiming in, like, why do you never talk about this team? Well, we never talked about the Melville Millionaires early in the season. They went, like, 1-9. and nine. Like, well, they're not giving us really any reason to talk about them unless we're going to be negative and we don't want to do that. Mm. But now, this whole show's been Melville Millionaires. We had Mike Rooney on, and rightfully so, because they're back into the playoffs, and uh, what a week it was for the Melville Millionaires. So that's what you got to do. you got to perform well. you got to give us reasons to talk about it. Ten points in four games for Sam Salt. That'll do it. And then you get your Melville Millionaires shout-out. Yeah, Look, you, you know, the, ho the classic hockey story of buying in to what a coach is preaching, and clearly that Melville Millionaires team is bought into what Mike Rooney has preached, and good for them. So your CA road report now as we look ahead to the week that is to come. Of course, keying in on January 16th here in Radville will be the Notre Dame Hounds and the Weyburn Red Wings. That's the third time they'll meet in a matter of about eight or nine days. Uh, so there'll be a little rivalry. It's a small barn here, a cold barn. It should be fast. It should be physical. It's going to be a fun one, one that I'm looking forward to anyways for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Notre Dame and Weyburn had not played each other at all yeah. the previous the, in the year as well. So very interesting. And you know Notre Dame's got a bad taste in their mouth after that last one in Boston. Gelowitz again really stood on his head, so it'd be very interesting. We would be stunned, stunned if Boston Gelowitz isn't back in net for Weyburn after his performance too. And should be interesting to see if there's any new faces in the lineup for Notre Dame. And uh, of course one more for the Melville Millionaires. Why not? They yeah. got games this weekend against LaRange and Nipwin. Well, we talked about the well, playoff race. How about those two? Yeah. Huge two points. Yeah, kind of kind of get... It's not quite must-win land yet. It's must-win But it's pretty, it, those it's are, pretty darn those are close, man. When you're facing the guys, yeah. teams around you, those, they call them the four-point games, yeah. right? Those are four-point games and should be very interesting. And it's obviously never easy to go into Nipawin and LaRange, and Melville's got to do that. And yep. LaRange especially has been red hot lately. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the games to watch out for. LaRange Ice Rolls, Melville Millionaires. Yeah. They're currently two points separating them. LaRange has a few games in hand, but uh, that playoff race is going to be tight right down to the finish. And if you look down, or sorry, up, at the top of the standings, you got Humboldt and Melfort in home and home, yeah. so uh, that should be electric as well. Yeah, that, you know what they call those ones, Rory? They call them big boy games. They call them the two horse race. Like, well, they call it, a, yeah. Hey. yeah <laughs> there you go. You're like, hey, hey, this guy's got the this guy's got the uh, the puns. But yeah, the the Melfort Mustangs and the Humboldt Broncos. You know, the 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 tempo of that game, those games are going to be ratcheted up. Should be fun. Fast hockey to watch, and uh, you know, two teams that have added, trying to get that gel, that chemistry together as they've added pieces. Uh, the Melford Mustangs have won nine in a row, Rory. Yeah, it's crazy. That's pretty legitimate. Absolutely. Nine in a row. Legitimate. Uh, big thanks to everyone here at Radville uh, for putting on Hockey Day in Saskatchewan and welcoming us in this week. Notre Dame Weyburn coming up. Uh, Paul Bunyan, you got anything else to add? <laughs> I, I really like my hat. <laughs> That's it. What do you guys think out there? <laughs> what do you think, Rory? Yeah, it's good. I love it's, it. It suits you. It f hey, it <laughs> it suits it's you. really cold in here, so I'm really glad to have it. <laughs> well, we will be here all week as will Hockey Day in Saskatchewan, live in Radville, Saskatchewan. Thank you so much for joining us at SJ at Noon. We'll be back next Monday with more.